Let's all agree together right now. Lord, uh, your word says where two or three are gathered together, you're here in our midst. So we know you're here. And um, I pray everything that was done so far was for your glory. Um, and I ask your anointing upon this, this word. It says that um, the, person, the, the, the person who's watching the door would give the right meat in due season or the right uh, feeding at the due season. And I pray, Lord, that you would use me this morning to deliver uh, something that would be meaningful, that could be digested, and it would draw strength from and to produce results. And we just thank you, Lord, that you would anoint by your Holy Spirit and breathe the breath of life upon this word in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, you know, last week um, I was speaking on, I've, I've been, like I said, I've been kind of in Romans 8. I've been going from here and there. We're going through the book of Acts in a Bible study right now. We're in chapter 3 this coming uh, Wednesday night. So, you know, you're just going through the scriptures and picking up and gleaning things here and there. And... Um, God is wanting to be intimately involved with each one of our lives. You know, he wants to be, um, to show himself strong on our behalf. He wants to manifest in our lives. I, I find that story, Heidi, amazing. You know, the, the, the detail of God. That, you know, you're up there in El Valley trying to hide out and just worshiping the Lord on your own. And, and a guy comes who just... You know, that was the song right there. And you're, you're, that blows my mind. But, you know, we shouldn't be surprised. That's how intimately involved God is in our lives. And, um, you know, we're singing about, you know, him being a, a good father, which he is. You know, he's a, he is a good father. And I want to read this. I, I read this scripture last week. If we would go to Romans 8 to start off from here. Um, God's ways are not our ways. His ways, as, as high as the earth, are, the heavens are above the earth, so are God's ways past our finding out. And yet he wants us to grapple with him. He wants us to um, seek these things out. You know, the hidden things, the hidden manna, the hidden treasures in his word. He wants us to seek, a, seek those things out, to meditate on his ways so that we can know him more. And um, it's not boring. You know, I remember I had my brother-in-law, uh, not, not David, but my brother-in-law Terry was staying at our house one time and we were reading the Bible in the morning and he'd stayed with us before, spent time with and, and we're reading the word in the morning and he goes, man, didn't you read that already? <laughs> and it's not like any other book. I mean, you could read this the rest of eternity and you'll still glean things from here. And that's what it says in Ephesians, that throughout the eons to come, that God will shower us with the grace or he'll be unfolding the mysteries of his word. Uh, it's unlike any other book. So I want to read in Romans 8 verse, um, uh, chapter, uh, verse 12, I'm sorry. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. Yeah, so this is Romans 8 um, verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as, as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. 
The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, and heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified together. So it's a package deal. You know, we're sons. We uh, are adopted into God's family. We have his favor upon us. But there's also stuff that we need to go through. And those things that we go through are made to strengthen us. He's, it's never to discourage, it's never to dissuade, it's never to crush us. But these things that we go through are made, these lessons are made to make us stronger and to know him more intimately. You know, and then, you know, Pastor Tyler, you also on my other notes, I had that one written down. And we know that all things, verse 28, we, all, we know all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. You know, what is God's purposes? His purposes in us, number one, we were created to give God glory. We were created to magnify and exalt the name of the Lord, to, to lift him up and to talk and manifest uh, his attributes to those who are in the world. That's one of the, the main purpose of us being alive, is that's why God created us for his glory and his purposes to be worked out. You know, I had a, you know, speaking of... Um, a fatherhood or a good father you know i was thinking about that while we were singing i just got we just got a caller um heather called up her mom the other day and i was i was on the phone with them and you know heather decided to join the national guard and i was not too thrilled with that decision i'll be honest with you not in these times of which we're living and especially under the administration that we're under right now, I just, I, I, I just wasn't thinking that was a great idea. And yet, um, she went through it, and we went to the mainland that time and saw her graduation from the basic training. And there was like a, a sense of pride welled up in my heart when I saw them all marching out together on the, you know, the parade field. And it, 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 there was really that sense, and they had a sign behind them, and they, sh they showed, you know, uh, it said, this we will defend. Basically, the, the Constitution of the United States, our way of life, this we will defend. And I have such admiration for soldiers. And it says, greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. And um, those who have gone into that uh, service, I, I highly regard. Um, and yet, my daughter is there, and she's having a hard time with it uh, because they were. It's I mean, it's just you know military and the way they do things and all this stuff. And you know, we're concerned about her, and we're praying for her, and we're praying that you know if they're going to force them to do the vaccination thing, that there would be a way for her to opt out of that. You know, we're really praying for that. But and talking with her. I was so blessed to hear this come from her where she said all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to it. So I thank you guys for your prayers for Heather. I know you guys have been praying for her. And to hear that, and they just hear it in her voice where she sounded like she was in a better place with the Lord. And what she said, under the stress she's been under, she's never prayed more. She's never sought the Lord more. And going in, I know she, her heart was kind of, you know, wounded a little bit going into this situation. But now she was under the pressure of the situation and she had to really seek the Lord. And to hear her say that this thing, this pressure she was under produced a fruit of that testimony. 
I, I just am so blessed as a father to hear that from my, my daughter. You know, because your kids, you, you know, you're always going to be concerned with them. And their relationship is up and it's down. It's like this. And, you know, we're constantly, come on, Lord, you know, just watch over her and do what you got to do. And for her to acknowledge that and said, it took me a long time to get to this place. That I realized that not everything works out the way that I want it. And I'm not in control of God. God is in control of me. And I had to submit to that understanding. And could be the military discipline. You are submitted to this authority that's over you. And you don't have a say. You just got to do it. And to the best of your ability. Do you ever chafe at that sort of thing? You know, in our walk with the Lord. That this is not right. What I'm going through. Why is this happening to me? And yet if we look into this word. We realize, man. There's nothing that Jesus tells us to go through. That he didn't go through himself. Mm. You know, and, and, and his obedience was complete. And we fail at these things. We, we stumble at this. You know, we'll go so far and then ah, we have a meltdown or break or just have a, a crisis of faith or whatever. And Jesus says, I know it's hard. I was in the flesh. I know what it's like. And he has sympathy for us that we're uh, made of flesh and he's there for us. And so what we do is we just grab it from there and sit and we confess it. Lord, this is where I'm at right now and I need your help right now. And he'll help us. And Heather said, she goes, man, the Lord has been here for me. It didn't turn out the way that I thought it was going to be. But now I'm seeing that he's, he's there and he does what he does in ways that I wouldn't conceive. But the end result is all things are working together for good to those who love the Lord and are the called according to his purposes. We have to stand on that word. We have to believe that word. It's not just a platitude or it's not this hyperbole. Oh yeah, he just says that stuff. No, he, it, he means that stuff. And everybody in here who's been a Christian long enough, I know you've got a testimony where that has been worked out in your life. You went through a dark time and came through and you go, wow, I, that wasn't really pleasant. But I understand now what the fruit of that was. Can you guys testify to that? Everybody here? Amen. And that's, that's what he's doing. He's strengthening us. He's, he's building us through these things. And it comes, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord. You know, and um, you read this Bible, and it's a, it's a, it says in, in, uh, in Hebrews, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a, of a living God. He's a consuming fire. And we don't want to be so comfortably familiar with God that we forget that. He should always be uh, like our father. You know, my, my father was, was, I know he loved me, but he wasn't my buddy. You know what I mean? And as I got older, and I got, you know, you can have a different relationship with your father. And just like Wesley, when I was up in the mainland, we had some really, really good heart-to-heart relationship and talks, you know, and stuff. Which is a different relationship as my son is older and he's more mature as it was when he was a younger child. And he was unruly. So, you know, when he was unruly, you guys know Wesley, or those of you who do, you know Wesley's like the class clown. You know, he's a joker. He likes to have fun, and he's really personable, and he, you know, he's always, you know, happy. He's always a comedy. But when he was younger, when he was going to Pukulani school, I, I got a call from the, 
the, um, his teacher and says, you know what, uh, Mr. Freitas, you know, we're starting the school year and Wesley's having a hard time settling down and he's hooking up with his other buddies, a Cajono Mossman, and they're, they're causing disruption in the class. And I just want to let you know that he's, you know, he's causing um, uh, the, the class to be disrupted. And so I was like, oh, great. So he comes home from school and I told him, Wesley, I just got a call from your teacher and says you are a disrupting force in the classroom. And I just want to let you know that I don't appreciate that kind of call coming from the teacher. Nowadays, a lot of pa- parents would say, why are you calling about my kid? I'm going to, and instead of being the parent that we should be, they take the side of the child. You know what I mean? It's okay. The teacher's calling me. This is a problem. You go to school to learn. You shouldn't be the class clown. You should settle down. So I told him, I said, Wesley, I don't want to get these kind of calls again. But if I do get this kind of call again from somebody from the school, you're going to face the consequences. And it's not because I hate my son. It's not because I want to be mean to my son. It's because I love my son. And so I told him. And then I forget how how many weeks or months it was. And I get a call from the principal. (laughs) Wesley's disrupting the class. I don't know if Wesley's going to watch this sermon or not. (laughs) (laughs) Wesley's disrupting the class. And it's one thing, you know, to apply discipline to a child in the heat of the moment, which is not really discipline. That's more like retribution. Let's face it, when the kid does something bad and you're like, that's it, I told you, and you go at it, that's not really discipline. But when you have to do it because you made a threat or you made a, a warning and you got to carry through on that and the blood's not hot and you got to do it, that's hard. That's why I finally understood this. This is a lot harder for me than it is for you. I finally got that one. I didn't understand that before. So he got home from school and I told him, you know what, Wes, I got another call from your principal this time. And remember I told you? That if this happened again, there was going to be some discipline. I said it basically, I was going to give him the belt. And so uh, we took him into the back room and I said, remember I told you that this is the reason why I'm doing this. And I got the belt and I whacked him out three times on his butt. And he was, you know, he was kind of weeping and wailing at that. And um, after I was done, I told him this. I said, you know, Wesley, I love you. And that's why I'm doing this. You are not to be like everybody else. I love you and I want the best for you. And my mom was a, you know, she was a college teacher and my mom had passed away before that. And I said, Grandma Freitas would would want you to do well in school. And she's watching you. And he started crying and I started crying, you know, because I'm, I'm his father and I want to see the best for him. I said, I want to see you go far and not get caught up in this mess. You're not to be like everybody. Don't, don't fall to this low level. That's how God looks at us. That he's willing to discipline us because he sees what's our future and our hope of greatness. Of greatness for eternity. He's building for eternity. He's not just building for here. He's building for eternity. And sometimes we got to go through some hard stuff. And sometimes it's discipline. And sometimes it's just endurance. He's like taking us to the gym. And I, you, can, you can lift this weight. I can't lift it. It's my, I can't do it. No, you can do this. And you go, that's as far as we can go with this. I can't go any farther. And then he pushes you a little bit further. And you, you put a little bit more weight on that bar. And you're, oh, okay, I got it up. And he's spotting us. He's holding, okay, you can do this. And that's what God is doing. He's strengthening us in our walk with him. He wants us to go further because he got stuff for us to do. He wants us to be an example. He wants to use us in his ministry. Amen. That's a good father. He has purposes, plans that are in accord with his purposes. 
his purposes. All things are working together for good when we are lined up with his purposes. Everybody likes to quote that scripture, but it's a qualified statement. Amen? That we have to be, we, number one, we need to love the Lord, love God, and are called according to his purposes. It's not, oh, I, I just want to do my own thing. No, we, we need to be, okay, Lord, what do you want? We feel like, what is, is this pleasing to you? Is this displeasing to you? You know, the other thing about being a son of God is we don't get as much slack as the people in the world, if you notice that, right? Excuse me, I gotta get some tissue. Other people can get away with stuff, but we'll get called on the carpet. And that's actually a good thing because God loves us. And he's teaching us the fear. So when we hear of the fear of the Lord, it's a reverential fear of like, I respect this authority. I respect God. I know he loves me, but I, I, I don't treat him lightly because he deserves this reverential fear. And the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, which leads to relationship that is not really based on that same type of fear. Does that make sense? I mean, it's kind of like this, this kind of oxymoron. It's just like what I said, the church in, in the book of Acts chapter 9, it says they were growing in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. So there's these two things going on. As we walk with the Lord and we're walking in his covering, in order to stay in relationship with God, there's stuff that we're going to go through. Some of it we understand immediately. Oh, I know why this has happened. Other stuff, we don't get it right away. You know, we don't get it, but God is doing a work. If we're submitted to him, if we're in relationship with him, if we're praying, if there's an issue there, we deal with it and get it, get it behind us and uh, just get real with God. You know, I was telling uh, Heather, I said, man, you know, Romans 8 is a, is a tremendous go-to, whether you're going through a really good time with the Lord or you're going through a hardship with the Lord. This is a really good place. I've heard other people say, that's my favorite chapter in the Bible. Because it says, you know, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord are the called according to his purpose. And then it goes on, you know, it says in verse 36, as it is written, for your sake, we're killed all day long. We're accounted as a sheep to the slaughter. I'm like, what? What? I don't want to hear that. And yet in verse 37, it goes, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So he was talking about his depth of commitment to us. That I'm committed to you, whether life or death or, you know, peril of sword or famine. You know, we're, we're all looking at um, things that are going on in society and a lot of changes are coming our way. And to have this sort of stability, this kind of word of assurance from our God that says, I'm going to get you through to the other side. These are the things we need to be digging out of the word right now. If there's turmoil, if there's a lack of peace, if there's like any kind of like, ah, it looks uncertain. But we can go to this and say, but God said this. Amen. God said this. Go, go to um, uh, Psalm 34. Psalm 34. 
it says this in, in Psalm 34. This is, it's interesting, the, the, the um, what's the word, the preamble to this or whatever. It says, uh, Psalm of David when he pretended madness before Abimelech, who drove him away and he departed. You remember David, he was on the lamb. He was kind of being hunted. And he went into a foreign land and he goes, well, I don't want to get killed by these guys, so I'm going to act insane. So he put spit on his beard and he's like, not <laughs> making any kind, just acting crazy. And then it goes on. It says this, where, he, where this psalm was, was seemed like was composed. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. My praise, his praise shall be continually in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. You know, when we come together as the congregation, that's the first thing that we do. We come together and we exalt the name of the Lord together. You know, we praise his name. We acknowledge his goodness. We acknowledge his attributes that he has and he's showered us with. In verse 4, it says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. If there's any fear, you know, in our hearts, the best thing to do is just get quiet with God and go in a, in a quiet place with the Lord, our secret place, go into that prayer closet and just enumerate it and just get it out there and tell the Lord, Lord, this is what I'm dealing with right now. These are, the, these are my troubles right now. And I don't know, a lot of times he doesn't give me the solution to those troubles, but just to, just to put it out there, you, you sense the presence of the Lord and these things can kind of lift off of you and take on a new perspective. You know, I remember one time, you know, we look around and there's, you know, we see trouble and we see stuff going on in the world. And, and we were in Seattle and we we're flying back and, you know, I was just thinking about stuff. And you get at altitude up there and you realize how big the world is. You know, the way you constantly flying. But you get up at that altitude and you're not like on this level. You're looking out over the ocean and the clouds and the mountains. You know, we had that picture of uh, Mount, was that Rainier? Um, or uh, Mount Hood, I don't know which one that was, but we were singing this morning. And you just see the majesty of God's creation when we went up to that um, Olympia, Mount Olympia, the peninsula out there. And it's just fantastic. You look off and you see glaciers out this way. And you're like, man, this is, God is powerful. This, this, he's a big God. Sometimes we condense our problems down and like we're looking at our stuff through a straw. It's like, oh yeah, it's all so big, man. It's, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And we're looking through this. And then we open up our eyes and we look around. Whoa, whoa, whoa. God is big. And when we appeal to him and we go to him, that our problems seem diminished in the light of the vastness of our God. That is a solution for fear. It says, I sought the Lord, verse 4, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. I looked to him and was radiant. Their faces were not ashamed. The poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fears him and delivers them. What a great scripture. You know, in, in a time of societal collapse, you know, you see those pictures coming out of South Africa, and it's basically Mad Max. It, it looks like this is a movie. And these people just went crazy, and they're stirring up this kind of dissension in our society. But it says, the angel of the Lord encampeth around those who fear him. That's something we, we should write somewhere and say, the angels of the Lord are encamped around my house. Yes. Man, you hear stories like that, man. I mean, this is real. You hear stories where angels intervene in situations for people's lives. The book of Hebrews says that. Be careful to entertain strangers, for some of you have entertained angels unawares. 
You've heard stories like that. Somebody's on a deserted road, and man, I needed help. And all of a sudden, this guy just comes on the road. What do you need? I, I need this. You know, I, I need help with my fixing my tire. And they go over there, fix a tire, and then they turn around to thank him for helping it, and the guy's gone. Every, all, we probably all heard these stories. The angel of the Lord encampeth around those who fear him. Oh, taste and see, the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. A lot of promises in our, in our word. You know, we do what we can do. You know, we, we got to do what we can do. You know, we got to work, we got to do what we can do, but when we get to the end of ourselves or when it's looking bleak, whatever, we can cry out to the Lord and the Lord hears our prayers. You think about that, you know, I was watching this show, well, I'll I'll bring it to the Bible. You look at the Exodus, where they um, said, he sent Moses, okay, go over there, and we know the story where Moses appealed to Pharaoh, and it was like, no, 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 I don't fear your God, I don't care who you are, what you're going to do, yeah, so what, your snake ate my, sta- or your, your snake ate my snakes, and whatever, all this, boom, 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 harden his heart, and then it got down to it, and it goes, just leave already. You killed all our firstborn over here, just get out, you destroyed our crops, our animals are dead, this place stinks with flies and dead, dead the frogs and whatever. Just go, go. And they go, and then finally he gets in his heart. That's it. I'm mad. That was our labor force that just left. And they, they, they humbled us. Everybody in their chariots were going. And you're thinking, it's over. And they're down by the beach, and they're like, oh, hallelujah, the Lord delivered. Oh, no, what's going on, man? Now we got Pharaoh at our back, and we got the ocean over here. What are we going to do? And you would think, and I'm not accusing these people, because I do the same thing, (laughs) that after seeing all these ten mighty deliverances, Pharaoh said, oh, Moses is stupid. He doesn't know the land. He's backed himself up into a corner here, and he's confused. And Pharaoh is coming down hard, and God says, aren't we done with this already, Pharaoh? Didn't we already go through this? And he puts a pillar of fire right there, boom, in front of him. And Moses is he's freaking out. He's like, God, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? He says, why are you crying to me? Grab your staff and hit the water. Go, boom, he hits the water and it divides. The wind comes up, boom, and just splits that thing. If you've ever seen Charlton Heston in that rendition, I think the real thing must have been way more in, in amazing, you know? I like there was a there was an animated version when they were actually I think that Joseph the prince or something and they're going through the water or was it Joseph it was Moses and they're going through the water and you could actually see on the wall of the water there was a whale going through there you ever saw that one that was like wow can you imagine if that really happened it's like you're going through the aquarium eh? and uh, everybody's just going through it says he walked across this place dry shod their feet didn't even get wet and Pharaoh this guy is stubborn man. It says, they still tried to charge us. Maybe we can get around that pillar of fire. They're still trying to charge us. It says, God gummed up the wheels of their chariots. He, he, he locked them up. He's like, oh, come on, man. We want to. And then once the children of Israel were through, lift up the pillar of fire. Go ahead. Go at it, man. They were charging down into this trench. And God says, and, and, and absolutely wiped them out. He says, these Egyptians who you see today, you will see no more forever. Who could have brought forth a deliverance like that but God? 
Is he the same God today that he was then? We have the favor of Jesus Christ on top of us, on top of that. Amen? If we fear God, we don't have to fear anything else. If we have the proper fear of God, that's the only thing that we should fear in life. You know, Roosevelt, during World War II, December 7th, right here, 1941, right in Honolulu, uh, Pearl Harbor, Japanese attacked, bombed Pearl Harbor into oblivion. My parents are living here at that time. My mom, I remember her saying, and you talked to any of the old timers, they said they were afraid. They were thinking the Japanese were going to invade. I remember my mom was living down in... Um, by Nazca, around in that vicinity over there. And one morning, or one evening, a Japanese sub came up in Kahului Harbor and shelled, there was a tank, it was actually a water tank, but they thought it was an oil tank, and shot some, boom, some, some thing and punch, punctured the tank, but because it was water, it didn't explode. And so eventually they had to move up country, because they were thinking the Japanese are going to invade. Can you imagine living in Hawaii at that time? That must have been pretty scary, you know? Um... A day after that, or a few days after that, I think it was the day after, President Roosevelt and addressed the nation. Back in the day, they didn't have too many TVs. They filmed it, um, but it was mainly radio. And we all know the famous speech that Roosevelt gave. He says, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. We as Christians, the only thing that we have to fear is God himself. If we have God as our main fear, Lord, I want to be right with you. I want to be under the shadow of your covenant. I don't want to be doing things that are displeasing to you. I fear you above man. I don't fear man's opinion about me. I fear what you think of me. If that is our chief fear, we don't have anything else to fear. Amen. Amen. That's a promise in his word. That is cross-cultural. That goes against the grain of society. The society is whatever. That's, it's, it, it, that's old school. We're under grace now. We don't fear anything. No, we better have fear. It says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. If we skip this step, everything is kind of like, ah, it doesn't really fit. You know, I'm in charge here. I'll, I'll do what God wants or wants me to do when I feel it because he loves me so much. It's out of order. It's out of order, Right? We have to do it in accordance with his word. The proper fear of God. Proper reverence of God. He's my dad. He's my father. But he's not my buddy, per se. But he is a friend. You know, there's a proper line between these two tensions right here. And it's just like, now I can go up to the mainland with my son and sit down and, you know, talk story and have a great time together. There's still the reverence, there's still the respect, but we're on a different wavelength. We're on a different relationship because we've matured in both of us in our age. That's what God wants. That's what he created us for. That's why he put man in the garden, and that's why he was so heartbroken when sin separated. I told you not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I knew you were going to do it. I knew it. That's the nature of people. I got a remedy for you. But he was heartbroken. Our fellowship is broken now. Why are you hiding? I was afraid. Sin causes fear. We don't run away from God. Run to God and says, God, I screwed up. What if Adam would have just said that? I, Dad, I screwed up, man. I, I, I went ahead and we ate that, that fruit that you told me. Who's to say we'd still be in the garden right now? I don't know. Now we know. 
Now we know what to do. We don't run away, run to him. If we have any kind of stuff like that going on. Does that make sense? That is the proper fear of God right there. I heard, I, I don't know where to hear this, but he says that when a lion roars in the savannah or in Africa, all David McDonald said, because he, you know, he grew up in South Africa. He says when a lion roars, it's a guttural sound and it goes right through you. When you hear that thing, and you're out in the bush in a tent and you hear a lion roar, you're like, oh, it just, it goes right through you, man. Like you're naked in front of a lion, the king of the jungle, boom. And it says that when a lion roars, the jackals, the whatever, other animals, they scatter. They're like, whoa, we're out of here. Boom, and they take off. But it says the cubs come running to the parents because they're like, is there trouble? We're coming over here where mom and dad are at. That's how we need to be right there. When the lion roars, we don't run away because we're family, we run close and we stay close. Amen? That's the solution to the things that we're facing right now. We need to stay under the shadow of his wings. I wish I took that uh, video clip that I saw this mother hen. And Jesus said about the people in Jerusalem, he goes, how often I wanted to gather you like a mother gathers her, her chicks under his wings, but you were not willing. And he looked out on Jerusalem and he saw prophetically this place is going to be leveled. He saw the smoking ruins of Jerusalem and he cried. He goes, man, how often I wanted to gather you, but you were unwilling. Your stubbornness, your hardness of heart. Now this day has been blinded from you. You had an opportunity to run to me, but you guys rebelled. You walked away. But I saw this video of a mother hen. And you think of a hen... You know, it's how, how threatening could that be? But I saw this one where she was down in kind of like a, a, a hole or it was like a, against a hillside. And it looked like an eagle came down and wanted to pick off some of her little chicks. She comes swooping down in there. And you should have seen this hen puff up with her wings like this. And that eagle got backed up against the wall. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like, I'm, I don't want any of that. And, and saved, I mean, protected all of her little chicks right there. Psalms 91, covered under the shadow of the Lord's wing, that he protects us, he shelters us from the assaults of the enemy, that we draw close to him, we stay under that shadow of his wing, and there's protection, and there's, sol there's solace, and there's peace in that place. That's where we need to be right now, in that secret place of the Most High. There's no fear, no um, physical fear of external things when we place God as our highest fear. Not what man thinks. Society, ah, you're Christian. Eh. You know, it even says in, in one of the, you know, it says that, man, we're being reproached for following Christ. On our half, on our behalf, the Lord's being exalted. We're being glorified. On their, the, their half, they're blaspheming the Lord by what they say. And it says, man, they think it's strange that we don't run with them in the same flood of dissipation. How come you don't party anymore? How come you don't you know, do this? How come you don't do that anymore? And they think it's strange that we chose this. But if we understand the ways of God, we understand the fear of the Lord, we're going, he tells us to be this way. This is the way he wants us to be. We're sanctified. We're a nation of kings and priests. And there's peace with that that you cannot buy. I would say that's awesome. I always say this, before when I was serving the Lord, 
because I knew better. I accepted the Lord when I was really young, but didn't really walk in the ways of God. Did my own thing. Didn't fear God enough in, in reality. Didn't fear God enough. And in my mind, I knew this is not who you are. This is not what you're supposed to be doing. And every Sunday evening, come around Sunday, oh, it's, it's back to Monday's schedule. It's back to the, the, the grind of work. But something more deep would come upon me, and I would call it the Sunday evening blues. I would just feel blue, like, you know you're not where you're at, supposed to be at. You know who you, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And there was a piece of me missing. But once you serve the Lord, once you get it, you push it all in and say, I'm in. I, I'm tired of that. It, it was unfulfilling. It was, it was always promising something there. And then you go after it and it slap you upside the head. Yeah, you stupid. You fell for that again. Right? You guys ever seen Spaceballs? I shouldn't even reference that. <laughs> but he's fighting with his ring, the Schwartz ring. And then he goes, oh, he throws his ring. And the guy goes for it. Oh, I can't believe you're so stupid that you fell for that man. You know, it whacked him. That's the devil right there. He baits us. Come on, man. Come on, come on, do it. And then we give in to it. And then he slaps us outside. You're so stupid. Look at you again. We got to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I, I screwed up again. Help me. And he will. And he will. Thank you, Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is an understanding of true sonship. The fear of the Lord is to have real authority. That we have that signet ring that he promises the prodigal son. It says, you have a bank account. You can make a draw on my account because you are my son. You understand sonship. You screwed up, but you came back and you repented. You still are my son. He puts on the robe of righteousness, gives him new sandals, gives him a signet ring that says, you have authority in my name. These are the things we need to pursue in the word of God because they're treasures. It says if we can search these truths out, they belong to us. That we take it seriously and we can draw on that. And it can give us what we need in the time of need. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray.